You are tuned into a Heads and Tails NFL Injury Report, where each week we discuss the latest injuries and sports health buzz surrounding the league in an attempt to make football safer to play at all levels. Dr. Wazim Bush provides expert medical insight, while my buddy Josh Boyd keeps us up to date on all current events and provides play-by-play analysis. And my name is Kevin Sam, and I provide the perspective of a former player with a passion for changing a football culture that nearly took my life. If this is your first time to the show, I recommend checking out some of the athlete and expert interviews that we have previously published on this podcast. For detailed show notes and videos from this episode, go to headsandtails.org backslash injury reports. Welcome back to an all new episode of the Heads and Tails Injury Report. We are currently in week nine of the 2018 uh, NFL season. And as usual, we'll go through the week nine injuries. Enough love. Enough love. <laughs> I figured we would change it up a little bit, Kev. Wait, but what does that mean? Enough love. Enough love. Oh, okay. Just like... You know, it's back to my heritage. Heritage? Caribbean. Oh, okay. I thought... You're not, you're not Jamaican. <laughs> Man. We're kind of like that. All right, so we'll go through the <laughs> the week nine injuries. Then we'll talk about uh, the Sam Shields concussion recovery story. We'll talk about the joke of the NFL way to play... Uh, recipient of the week. We'll go into uh, Aaron Rodgers' investment opportunities. And we'll finish off with some NCAA uh, ejections that I think kind of set the tone of how different the NFL and college is in regards to um, player safety, maybe? I don't know. But we'll we'll discuss it. So starting off the week nine injuries, we got uh, Denver Broncos center Matt Paradis. Paradis. Yeah. Paradis. Paradis. What is that? Yeah. French. Like French. <laughs> At work today. <laughs> uh, anyway, he had a broken fibula. <laughs> Can you take us through, uh, through that entry? Yeah. So, um, center for the Broncos, I guess. We'll got the number. So, he's been their center since 2015, 15, 16, 17, 18. So, this is his fourth year as the center uh, for the Broncos. And he had played. 3,850 consecutive snaps uh, since the first week of the 2015 season. Um, so we had to miss the snap. Um, we kind of talk about this all the time. Uh, it's hard to kind of dodge that many bullets as an offensive lineman. So, like, especially in this play, he blocked as good or as well as you can block in a single play. Um, their quarterback kind of just went back to pass. Um, and I guess it was their left tackle got completely beat by his guy. Um, and as Jadavion Clowney on the Texans went to tackle Keenum, um, they kind of like wrapped him up and brought him down into the back of uh, Matt Paradis's legs as he's like still perfectly blocking his guy and hasn't moved a yard since they started. Um, and he just got like his back is to the quarterback and his back is to the guy coming and they just tackle him and rolled up on him. There's, like- there's nothing you can do. I feel like we really need like a country of origin for Paredes's name. I think we had like <laughs> yeah. three different pronunciations there. Well, I'll go with Paradis. 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 Try this, huh? Um, yeah, I mean, he broke his fibula. He's out for the season. He'll be done. And I think that this was, uh, I think he this was his last season under contract, actually. So <clears throat> he should be fine for for next year. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit about 
the streak here with the 3,850 snaps. Um, kind of gives you, to put it more in perspective, uh, Josh has uh, Joe Thomas's consecutive snap uh, record too. 10,363 snaps. Like Which about is about a 10-year period, yeah. Unbelievable for a man to be playing this type of uh, uh, game at such a high level and be that durable for and not miss that many snaps. That's a feat. Then you start thinking about people like Favre and Eli Manning and, and all of that stuff too. So it's it's pretty pretty uh, big testament to to some players not really getting those severe injuries. And just going back to stuff we've said before, it's like as safe as you make football, like offensive linemen are at risk of a broken leg, a torn ACL on every single, single play. Because it's just there's a, a lot of these guys, it's um, it has it's just completely outside of their control, and um, you can't. It's it's another guy. They're just playing in such close quarters, and the guys are so big that you can't. Yeah. You, a lot of times, you just don't even see it when you end up getting rolled up on like that. Let's add another ankle. To our list for this year, we had a ton of ankles this year so far. That's not an ankle, fibula. Yeah, kind of is. Well, it's the leg. I mean, he knows better know, than, than lower. So. It kind of connects down into the ankle. And the fibula is like the bigger one. It's a smaller one, right? You know. Yeah. Okay. The smaller exactly. one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on to the next injury, we got Carolina Panthers safety Eric Reed with a shoulder injury, and there's no video on this. Uh, but the whole reason why I put it in here was because a lot of people were making comments about he would, I think he came into this game a little banged up with his shoulder. Yeah. I think he fell on the shoulder hard in this game. And he kind of came up wincing or whatever. Uh, but there's a lot of talk surrounding his toughness and how you know great of a game he had, you know, despite having uh, a shoulder. And the team actually gave him, or the coach gave him the game ball at the end of the game for his performance. And I, I just think it's another example of how we're glorifying these guys who play hurt and it's his shoulder but I always say my example of my head injury I had a separated shoulder before I hurt my head because I stopped using my shoulder and I started using my head uh, because my shoulder hurt so much so you know as long as that shoulder injury isn't changing the way that he plays uh, I think it's fine to play with but in my case it was not I was uh listening to um some of the things that Dr. David Chow. Leslie. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> um, and he was talking about um, kind of comparing things a little bit to uh, the New England Patriots, right? They, they have this next man up mentality. So they don't want their players playing through pain. They're just like, all right, we'll just use the other guy until this guy's there. We're not going to partially use him and uh, kill our game plan. We'll just use who's next. And their um, strategy has seemed to have somehow worked out for however many years. Because what I, I can't even remember the last time the Patriots didn't win um, won less than 10, 11 games. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I think it's a, it goes to your point, uh, Kev. With with um, playing through the injuries, does it necessarily make you right? You at eighty percent capacity or seventy percent capacity? Are you still better than the person that's behind you? Yeah, yeah. So in high school, it's a little different because normally you don't have the depth that you would have on an NFL team. Sure. Uh, so you have a little bit more pressure to play hurt, um, or that percentage could go lower. But whatever. Uh, good point, Waz. I like that. 
Uh, next injury up, and there's a few injuries for the Washington Redskins. First one, though, is uh, Sean uh, Laveo. Damn it. Laval. Laval. Like Leslie. Ciao. Laval. Uh, he's a guard, and he went down with an ACL injury. Uh, can you take us through that one there, Boyd? Yeah, this was like a – I don't want to say non-contact because it was contact. It's kind of hard to see because the video we have is like kind of like pan, like zoomed out a little bit. It's like yeah. got the coach's tape, so it's you can see everything. End zone cam. Um, kind of like the end zone cam, yeah. So he was uh, interior guard, and he's getting like bull rush. He's getting pushed back towards the quarterback. It looks like he might have stepped on the quarterback's foot, Yeah, I think. Or just or just landed awkwardly. Yeah. Um, but as he's like almost backpedaling and blocking, he just takes a step and you can see the knee just buckle. Yeah. And and when when you looked at it in during the game, uh, you know, it's really hard to tell like uh in in game action until they kinda slowed it down. But yeah, it looked exactly like what you were saying, Josh. Uh, you know, he just took that awkward step backwards and there it went. Is that just like a force just to, there's so much weight and force from him and the other yeah like pressure of being pushed against him that his leg just can't support no it. it's just that step, awkward yeah. it's just that awkward Arc, step yeah. you know it, it, i feel like we saw a similar almost identical acl injury like last week or the week will before. fuller yeah yeah when he like randomly jumped up and he landed and took this awkward step back and then it no just well went. he was going out for a pass yeah but i think we saw like a a running back trying to pick up a, a blitzing linebacker or another JJ. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's how he tore his ACL yeah. like sim- like similar kind Absolutely. of way. Absolutely. Yeah. He kind of got blasted back and took like a really awkward step backwards. Um as a Giants fan, it makes me very happy. Few things make me very happy this season, but this kind of makes me happy. Not that the guy got injured, but the Redskins might suck. So that's all right. <laughs> so like everyone in the division kind of sucks. Hey, that's all right. I'll take it. <laughs> All right, another the other side of uh, the center for the Washington Redskins, we got uh, Brandon Scherf. There we go. Yeah, that's good. Nice. Uh, the other guard with a torn pec. That sounds horrible. Yeah. You see this a lot of time in, in interior linemen, too, yeah. and it's just like – they just make punch. You yeah. know, they just make a punch to block or make a make a move to either catch a guy or yep. and it's just like pops. Yeah, just pops. So that that basically is essentially what happens, you know. Um if if you, you kinda reach out to make an arm tackle or something, it overextends and it pops and um you're trying to bring your arm across your body, you know, just to grab onto a jersey or something like that to pull them down and the pressure just pops or you're pressing like a bench press and you'll the common way to tear your pec that way too. Um, you know, he's done for the season, unfortunately. Needs surgery to repair this and he'll be back and strong the next year. So it's something that they can come back from. Oh yeah. 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 Uh another side note, when I was watching this game on T V I noticed that Adrian Peterson uh wears one of the band helmets that the NFL kind of came up with that list going into the season. And he wears the Rydell VSR4, which is, like, literally a 20-year-old helmet. Like, I wore that helmet when I was, like, eight. Um, He's able to wear it because he was wearing it before. Right, it's grandfathered in. Is that right? But most of the – yeah, it's grandfathered for the guys who already wore it. But any guy who comes into the league now can't wear that helmet. It's like the hockey guys with the visors. Like, almost – there's, like, 98% of the NHL guys have visors now because – when they made the rule, it yeah. was almost like 15 years ago. But there's still like a few guys who 
have chosen not to add the visor and would didn't wear it before the rule came. But out. you would think it's almost like an excuse to be like, oh, thank God, like now I can wear something that like protects me better than looking cool. Like it doesn't like no one looks cool anymore. Like the, so. Yeah, I wonder if anybody's asked him if it's just like a straight preference thing, if it's a superstition exactly. thing, or. Guys are weird, man. You there, know? there has to be a reason behind it. You know, he's not like doing it on purpose to, to increase his chance of injury. Yeah, things that oh, yeah. work for them, they're they're gonna stick to it. I know it's definitely like a lighter helmet compared to the newer helmets, but I mean, hmm. I mean he's getting older, so maybe he's trying to, you know, lighten <laughs> up as much as he can to to move fast. There was a third uh, lineman that got injured um, for the Redskins as well, another guard. So I mean. Um, I, I don't quite remember what it was with his injury, um, but, you know, that really depletes that line. Potentially lost three starters. Um, so um, Adrian Peterson is going to have a tough time finding some holes. You might want to change his helmet. And so will Alex Smith. Yeah. I yeah. think Alex Smith wears a vices. Yeah. Him, uh, we'll get to it, but... Um, See, he had concussion problems either in college or early in his career yeah um with the niners yeah. nothing for a while but yeah uh all right next injury up we got buffalo bills running back chris ivory with a shoulder injury and we actually do have a video for this one yes this is a good one he just like at the goal line like at the goal line falls at the half yard line he tries to jump looks like he tr was planning on jumping over the pile, but then when he went to jump, there just wasn't a pile to yeah. jump over. And it was like guys just standing <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, linebacker just <laughs> met him and just kind of hit him right in the shoulder and put all this force into, uh, into his shoulder. Yeah, this is going to be a weird one. This could just be a really bad bone bruise. You know, stinger? Just, yeah, well, not – the stinger is, is the bad term for that because that indicates something that could be neurological. Okay. Um, but – the this case it's just that impact just smacking like say you you ran and smacked your knee into uh into a table or something like that and it's just bruised that's that's basically all it is you know um or this could be ac joint um i you know it was weird because he did go to the to the hospital after that and that's a strange kind of yeah. It said that he went to like thing. a level one trauma center or something, right? Yeah, it, it makes me wonder. Hey, did he have? A, did he somehow fracture a rib or anything like that? And maybe he injured the lung. Did he have some kind of compromise with an artery? Yeah. You know, that's yeah, like, it's when do you really, ever hear that? You yeah, lose, would you lose feeling? Would they do that if you just if you like didn't regain feeling in your arm or possibly something? Possibly too. You know, where where he gets hit right on the top of that um. That uh, uh, shoulder, you know, you have um, some nerves that run in that area too, axillary nerve just on the outside, and um, you know, you you have a radial nerve that runs runs further down in the arm too. So it depends, but it's a really strange story. I'd I'd like to see what comes out about it. Um, and you never hear about guys going to a level one trauma center just for fun, you know, or any. You know, there's got to be some kind of concern that they sent them there, and I, I, it's hard to speculate about that. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, next injury is uh, Minnesota Vikings defensive back uh, Xavier Rhodes with an ankle injury, and he had an ankle injury coming into this game. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, but it looks like he just re-aggravated it. That's all it is. Uh, you know, ankles, uh, ankle sprains. You're gonna constantly try to play through it, and these guys, obviously, he's their their stud, right? So. 
they're going to try to get him back as, as soon as possible. And they're going to say, hey, can you go on this? And he'll say, yeah, you know, I think I could do it. But obviously you'll you'll hit a certain angle or two and re-aggravate it. So I think this will just be um, off and on, off and on for him. Uh, then we'll move on to one of the most disgusting injuries of the season. Oof. Uh, is uh, San Francisco 49ers Raheem Mostert uh, running back with a broken forearm. I feel like we haven't had a ton of these, like, not warning, not yeah. suitable for all viewers <laughs> injuries that you, that we've, you see in the NFL a couple handful of times a year. Um, but he was running back um, on a running play and was almost going to the ground and was just like – put his non-ball carrying hand down to brace his fall and there if was you want to watch you can see the rest it was it's bad it did that was that was pretty gruesome injury i mean pretty you could see the snap of the bones and you can see the deformity very obvious but he just looked like okay that just happened and that's it you know what i mean like he wasn't like screaming his head off or anything pretty crazy maybe it was all the adrenaline that was uh in his body at that time but man that was that was pretty bad he's obviously gonna need surgery plating he's done for the season um he'll be fine next year will he have to wear something like gronk um you know usually you know if he were to come back in in a specific time for this year which is i not feasible um, but say there was maybe a week or two left that he could potentially uh, impact, yeah, they would put some some sort of uh, padding around there to kind of brace um, his impact and things like that. But and, and do they keep the plates in like yes. once they uh, forever? Yeah. Okay. I'm just curious. Uh, next injury up is uh, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. Um, Josh, you want to explain this one? So he was uh, in which he's scrambling out of the pocket. So he started to run a little bit more this year. Um, I'm not sure why, because he's not moving to as slow as ever. Yeah. <laughs> like super extra slow. Um, but he's also like they've run probably six, seven quarterback sneaks this year, which he hadn't, uh, which he was not allowed to do under uh, the previous offensive coordinator, Todd Haley. Um, who just got fired from the Browns, but they wouldn't let him quarterback sneak. So now he's QB sneaking, which I think is now leading him scramble a little bit. And uh, he ran out of the pocket, got tackled from behind by a defensive lineman. Um, all of his weight fell on top of him. And it looked, uh, from the video we have, it looked like it could have been a, I thought it was a collarbone as soon as it happened. Yeah. Just the way he fell, the way he kind of reacted and almost grabbed his shoulder. Um, but he just not got the wind knocked out of him. But, yeah. of course, Ben being Ben after the game says he thought he – I thought I was dead. <laughs> was like, yeah, good job, Ben. He, and uh, he missed a play. Missed other, one play and came back in. The other thing that I thought was that he uh, uh, landed on the ball and it just like – Yeah. Just, uh, just hit him in the abdomen and he was just like dead yeah. afterwards. But, like, you know. but if you've ever had the wind knocked out of yeah. you, it is a pretty significant – feeling i guess not Absolutely. a significant injury but it's a significant weird yeah can't you can't breathe. do anything yeah, you can't breathe you can't do anything was can you explain what getting the wind knocked out of you really is no no <laughs> it is um it is that weird feeling and it's so, not like a medical like phenomenon it is it is um but it's not an actual thing that's happening so basically you get this impact to you 
and your pain sensors go crazy and then you can't just take a deep breath in or do anything because of all the pain that you're feeling and um because that you almost feel like you're suffocating and you're just like nauseous at the same time and it's it's this weird phenomenon that we have all right just curious uh Next injury up is not really one that happened in week nine, but it's uh, New England Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski. He was still out this week with his uh, back. I guess we'll just we'll just fire through some basically injury updates, not really uh, injuries to happen. But so Rob Gronkowski, um, I guess it was two weeks ago. He didn't make the trip when they went to Chicago. Back spasms, didn't fly, um, didn't play. A week ago, he did play. Um, like Kev, you said uh, before he started, he just looks slow. slow. Like he do, he doesn't look the same as he's looked the last couple, the last couple of years. Day, yeah. yeah. So he played last week, and then this week again he didn't play with the back. So doesn't um, that sound fishy to you guys? Yes and no. I mean, it, it does. I just uh, I think he's going to try to play when he can. But I mean, I think he's just so physically beat up that it's, it takes him significantly longer to recover. So I mean. Going I, going forward, it might be – I don't know if the injury itself is so much significant as it is his ability to recover uh, in time to, to time to play games. I mean, there could be a point where he – I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he doesn't play the next three, four uh, weeks. Just – I don't know. Well, the, the thing that sounds fishy to me is the whole thing about spasms. Right? I, I think it's just geared towards – misinforming you what it is because look spasms get better right they typically you get a muscle spasm um yeah you might be out a week maybe two weeks or something like that but they typically get better we're we're pushing four weeks so i i think that there's something more significant going on with gronk too oh correct yeah i from that aspect i don't it i'm thinking very well could be something yeah, spasms is very easy to say. Exactly, the general term for Throw a back injury. Yeah, uh, his back's bothering him. He's got back spasms. Yeah, so I, I don't know. You know, Gronk's injuries are finally really catching up to him now. I think they're going to slow him down, but they're going to just try to save him. Look, they've been annihilating teams without him, right? Or you know, winning games, not necessarily annihilating, but winning games without him. So I think they're going to try to rest them as much as possible. And what are they like seven and two or seven something two like that? Now, yep. Yeah. So yeah, just like what we talked about before, next man, next up, man right? up. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's their. If he can be healthy for that's the, their philosophy for the playoffs, and that's more important than anything else. But um, a couple other uh, bigger, especially fantasy wise injuries. AJ Green was hurt last last week, and he was there on a bye this week. He got hurt at the very end of the game. Yeah. And I don't think anyone even realized he got hurt, but they had a bye this week, so it didn't really come out. Um, they were afraid that he was going to need surgery. He came yeah. out this week, he doesn't need surgery, but he'll still miss two to four weeks, he said, which is big for the Bengals. Um, another injury yeah, we've I'll, talked about. You want to just touching about, about, yeah, A.J. Green. He basically had turf toe. And so that's... He's, he's had turf toe in the past yeah, pretty and significantly. And also. it was the same same foot, and so... Turf toe, that whole mechanism of turf, turf toe is basically a sprain of the big toe joint. Um, and on that joint, you have like a complex there that has um, essentially like um, uh, uh, ligaments and things of that nature. They call it like the plantar plate that's there. And so if you injure that plantar plate, you need it leads to instability there and you need surgery to fix that. 
um, and they were saying, oh, you know what, everybody was talking about maybe this is what's going on, that's why they're talking about whether or not he needed surgery, but, you know, they've, they've, if, if they needed it, their orthopedist on the team would have basically told him that he needed it, and he wouldn't have been waiting this long, yeah. you know what I mean? That I, I can't imagine that that would be what's going on with this, mm -hmm. so... Um, but yeah, he should be back in a couple of weeks, but he, yeah. that's a nagging injury. Yeah. And he's had, he's had, I know he's had problems in the past. Um, some other things that we've talked about almost consistently all year for net, um, is practiced. What's today? Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they said he was, I guess he, he's practiced today. So he's been out three, four weeks now yep. since he tried to play that one week. Um, so assuming that he practices all week. Um, he should be able to come back this week for the Jaguars, which may, might make a big difference for them because they've been awful mm -hmm. uh, w w without him. Um, the running back for the Patriots, Sony Michelle, who was out for a couple weeks with a knee that looked like it might have been season-ending. Yep. Um, he's missed the last two weeks. He is slated to come back this week with uh, a full week of practice also. And um, an injury that we talked about last week, Melvin Gordon. Um, or I guess it was two weeks ago because they – didn't play him in London, right? And then he had his bye week last week, and then he ended up playing this past week. So it turns out to be um, – And he played pretty well. Played well. Rushed scored, over 100. Yeah, scored, scored a touchdown. So whether it was his decision or the coach's decision or everybody's decision, um, I know we made a big deal out of that when he when he sat out the London game two weeks ago. Um, it gave him the yeah, extra week of recovery time. And it Coach seems Lynn like it was, said that he – yeah, he wanted to save him. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was another uh, off, yeah. injury that we've spoken about in the in the past and some kind of quick updates on those. Nice. Thanks, nice. Josh. Uh, that wraps things up for the injuries for week nine. Uh, but I just wanted to make note of one ejection. At least I don't know of any other ejections, but it's basically uh, Jermaine uh, Whitehead from the Green Bay Packers. He's a safety. He got ejected for like – slapping a guy in the face with yeah. a helmet on, essentially. Yeah, the old open hand slap. It was pretty just, soft. He was just telling him a joke. <laughs> yeah. Said, yeah, I, yeah. He just told him I got a new joke for you. <laughs> what the five fingers say to the face? Right. Slap. Exactly. Like, you get ejected for that, but, like, half the other stuff that doesn't get called and the, with the targeting rule stuff. But I uh, just want to – I have a video of it, so it's it's in there. It was a reenactment. Uh. Then I wanted to talk about, I came across this story about Sam Shields' uh, concussion recovery. And so, so Sam Shields was a defensive back for the Packers. For a while. And a good for, one. Yeah, really good mm -hmm. one for a while. And number 37, which is why it sticks out in my head. Uh, but then you didn't hear about him for like, yeah, literally like the last two years. And yeah. it's one point to make that like when these guys get hurt or whatever, you forget about them because – out of sight, out of mind, they're on to the next guy, which is not great for the athlete themselves and their psyche. But this article went on to talk about, I think there's a Players Tribune article about everything that he went through in these last two years with the symptoms and, like, terrible, like your classic post-concussion syndrome uh, symptoms that he was struggling with. But he came back this year, and he's doing well for the, for the Rams. Yeah, I, the biggest takeaway from that is – for me at least, was reading the story, seeing how serious all the, uh, all the, all the symptoms were. Um, but 
for like people to comment on it and not really be able to like regular people not be able to kind of wrap their minds about why these guys want to come back and play like it was his as bad as his symptoms were um his goal was to come back and play football again he talked about how much he just loves the game and it's hard to explain to someone yeah someone who reads the story and is like this is everything that i've gone through for the last two years and be like yeah why the hell would you ever want to come back after going through that but it's all he knows. It's all he loves. It's all he cares about. Like and he's good at. He's he's good yeah, at, it. Very good it's, at it's, it. It's it's very easy on Twitter for someone to leave re- reply to the article and be like, "Why would this guy ever ever do this? What is he doing to himself? Why would he ever come back and play football again?" Um, but I mean, you really have to put yourself in their shoes and, like you said, it's their think about like, what you love the most exactly, and like, if yeah. you would try to get back to it or not. Their yeah. whole life has always revolved around football. You know, reading the article, it was it was interesting to just um, seeing how the symptoms were there, and despite taking meds, you just can get rid of it, right? So it kind of highlights the difficulties of concussion treatment. And so, you know, people will say, well, why why don't Tylenol and Advil help? You know, and and the issue here is that when you get a concussion, based on the symptoms a different part of the brain is being affected, right? And what happens is that when you get your symptoms, it's because that part of the brain is being irritated and firing and controlling those symptoms. So when you avoid the things that cause the symptoms, the worsening of it, so say light bothers you because a portion of the brain that senses the light is irritated, if you avoid it, then those symptoms kind of go down a little bit. And Tylenol and, and uh, Advil, they work on your pain receptors and things like that, but they're not going to be effective in this case, right? Because they're not actually um, uh, helping those areas in the brain. Right. Yeah, it's just interesting story. And you don't hear about too many stories like this with guys actually coming back and being effective in the league. Yeah. You're usually the guys who you forget about, and they write a Players' Tribune article four years later talking about everything that they went through, and they're not playing anymore. Mm-hmm. So did he did he retire, then he came back and went on to the Packers? I don't know if he ever officially retired. No, he never retired. He was just released by the Packers. Um, and then this year he's on, he's on the Rams now. Yeah. Um, so after he got released by the by the Packers, he was basically just a free agent. Um, but I don't think he was ever healthy enough yeah. to um, legitimately return until, um, like, like the article said, he kind of opened himself up to kind of really getting healthy and going to some specialists. And yeah. Um, and then once um, he I noticed, think he went to some doctors that I've talked about with other people on my podcast. UCLA or some Southern yeah, California UCLA, doctors. Yeah. yeah. So. This girl, Molly Parker, she's a physical therapist out of, uh, I believe, California. Yeah. Because she went she went to these people at UCLA because she still struggles with PCS and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I'm assuming it's the same people. Yeah. So, But once he felt he was healthy enough and he came back and these healthy teams signed him. Yeah. He's a good player. So now he's on the ramp. It's also interesting, though, is like I think at one point in time we kind of talked about guys who have concussion histories and stuff like that, that teams are kind of like staying away from them. Like you, you know, we don't want this guy. He's like going to be a problem for us or whatever. Uh, so it's also nice to see that this team gave him a chance and he's su- succeeding. Yeah, I'm sure that 
You know, uh, when when guys are being signed up, you know, obviously the docs have to take a look at them and say, all right, well, this guy's got migraines, he's got this, he's got concussion. Uh-oh, looks like a disaster. We're probably just going to stay away from this. It's probably better off. It's in our best interest to keep a guy like this off the team just because it's going to be too much to deal with. And it definitely does affect them. I, I definitely think that that's a, a, a strong reasoning for some of the um, reasons why he was out of the league. Sam Shields was also the NFL way to play player of the week uh, for his play for staying out of the end zone on special teams. He like downed a punt like on the one inch line or something like that. But I'm just like last week's was weak as hell. The the play that they picked with Von Miller, um, and then this week it's not even a tackle. It's not even it's a not. hit. And they're trying to like. I don't know. I mean, it's it's their award. They can do whatever they want with it. Uh, originally, it was billed as a uh, a safe tackling. Then stick to it. I know, but it's they can do whatever they want with it. So, th- like the further they've gone away from the actual rule of the, the the helmet rule and not calling it, not enforcing it, whatever. Now, I think everything that's associated with it is also just kind of. So the uh, way to play is to down the ball at the one yard. Yes, we know this. All right, great. That's that's yeah. that's wonderful. Yeah, it's a good play. That's wonderful. No, I kind of agree. It's uh, so now when you search Sam, Sam Shields on Twitter, it's going to come up as his uh his way to play and not his Players Tribune article. <laughs> Flood the internet with the. Uh, with some other stuff i just i don't know i'm not surprised yeah that's what i was gonna say like coincidence you know like yeah you pick the the guy who just came with a player's tribune article about his concussion stuff now he's the nfl way to play player of the week for not hitting anyone but downing a punt <laughs> do you, you think know? at some point at the end of the year that just stops that they just stop doing nfl way to play yeah i don't think it'll stop but I think you're going to get just a lot keep of keep getting people. weirder and weirder. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lazier and lazier. Yeah. Next week it's going to be Aaron Rodgers' pass, touchdown pass. <laughs> Look at this great <laughs> pass. Way to play. <laughs> Way to play. <laughs> well, you see the commercials on TV, though, too, like how they got guys going in. I think they had, like, a, a fullback for the 49ers, like, in the equipment room, talking about how he got scanned for his helmet, his custom yeah. helmet for yeah. the year. So, like, they're still putting yeah. out that. I think you tried PR. to say say that guy's name once on the podcast. It was great. Yeah. That was. It was the Silent J. That's the Silent J guy. Kyle. Right. Yeah. What's the first name? Kyle with the Silent J. Osh. Yeah. <laughs> Silent J for Josh. Uh, okay, I'm not going to try that one again, but thanks for pointing that out, Josh. Uh, okay, next up is Aaron Rodgers' Vices investment. So Vices is trying is the company that made yeah. made the helmet that was number one uh, in terms of like the impact testing. Now is number two in the testing behind uh, one of the shut helmets. But regardless, they're trying to break into the youth market, and Aaron Rodgers has become uh, one of the investors in this initiative to bring. Uh, helmet or the devices helmets to the youth market so teams can kind of get like bulk sales and get more discounted rates I guess on these really expensive helmets um, I think it's pretty cool I also think it's weird that Aaron Rodgers doesn't wear a vices helmet and he's endorsing the devices helmet and this is kind of the same problem I had with Richard Sherman last year being a vices investor starting the season not wearing a vices helmet and then going back to the Rydell speed um, after that so it's like well he they're not so much 
I mean, if you're investing in it, you're endorsing it in some extent, but they're not so much as endorsing the helmet as they are. It is a legitimate investment opportunity for them. I mean, what is the biggest problem with Vices? Their price. Their price. It's too expensive. And it's just, it's a very, this is a a business specific thing. Um, Why is their product so expensive? Because they're a small company that doesn't have a ton of money to make it to get their all their costs down uh, to kind of distribute it that much at a cheaper level. So the more of these NFL players they get to invest and put in money into it, the more it's going to bring their costs down. That's going to inhibit them to go to youth and go to high school. And these NFL guys see that. I Damn. mean, Aaron Rodgers makes an investment to put some of his money in uh, where because what is this uh, high school and youth is an untapped market for for these helmet companies. So if they can get enough capital to bring their price down to make it affordable for these people, it's going to be a huge money maker. It was like $28 million or something like that venture. Yeah, it's 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 worth it. So it's it, you can't look at it so much as he's endorsing the product as much as he is invest he's investing he's in investing it because the there's because there's a lot of money to be made in it. The in- endorsers are Alex Smith and uh, Russell Wilson, who also invested in Vices, and they also wear Vices helmets. Yeah, I guess I come from the perspective of like I- I've listened to some uh, podcasts with Drew Brees. Yeah. Drew Brees is like a big. Uh, is it Jersey Mike's subs or Jersey subs or whatever? Yeah, Jersey um, Mike's. Yeah, so he, like, loved the sandwiches when he was in school, and then he, like, opened up a bunch of, like, franchises, and he had, like, a personal connection, like, to the brand that he was putting money into and investing in. I get it. I I see, like, the money is there, yeah. and it's, like, a money investment. That's what you. That's yeah. why you invest, is to make more money. You don't have to have a personal... I know. I just yeah. think that it, like, you know, makes more sense. I don't know. It's more, it's more market. Yeah. Should, should we invest in it? I mean... Well, Listen, listen. I mean, even if you I got, put, like, I have, right, I have like, three dollars like, in my wallet. Well, right that now. three dollars. Think about it. I mean, Kobe Bryant invested in body armor, and he made like nine billion dollars. And then, yeah. you know, uh, David Wright invested in um, what's the what's the the stupid company that Coca Cola bought out, and then all of a sudden he made like a hundred million dollars from that investment. I mean, why can't we turn five dollars into? I got three. Five dollars. I got. $9. You got three. I got two. What do you got, Kev? I got some spare change. Let's somewhere. do it. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. We'll invest in heads and tails. Hell yeah. <laughs> I could pay for like a quarter of the month of storage on my Libsyn account to <laughs> upload all the audio. Okay. We're going to wrap up this episode with just talking about the NCAA ejection. Specifically, I was watching the Ohio State-Nebraska game. Uh, and Nebraska. In Nebraska man, Nebraska man, Nebraska pants. Husker. Uh, Husk, Husk with a Z? Huskers. We're dating ourselves, I think. I know. It's a, that's a 15-year-old commercial. <laughs> Link it in, though. It's the best commercial ever. All right, well. Uh, Husk guy. <laughs> so... Uh, the NCAA ejected Ohio State captain Jordan Fuller um, for a hit on, I guess, a defenseless receiver. Well, he of. was. Yeah, he was a defenseless receiver. But when I was watching it, it, it was the intention was certainly not like there to to inflict pain. I don't think he led with his shoulder. He didn't leave his feet. Yeah. 
he like barely even hit him to be honest. But I think he made like contact to the helmet shoulder region, and they they threw him out. But I guess the other thing was like the next series, a similar play happened, and the player didn't get ejected. Whereas I thought it was actually a worse hit or more um, malicious hit than the one that got this guy ejected. So I just thought it was interesting how the NCAA like ejects guys for a hit like the one that's will be in the blog post if you want to check it out. Um, but the NFL, you know, doesn't even call the helmet rule or even remotely close to the helmet rule anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, to, one to the NCAA's credit, they have they've had they've held firm on the targeting um, rule. Uh, and they throw, uh, I would say, probably 10 to 20 guys get thrown out a week. Granted, there's exponentially more games in college than there are in the NFL. Um, but you see a lot of guys get getting thrown out every week for, for, for targeting for because that's the rule. It's in there. Um, the biggest problem with the, with the NCAA is, and I think this is what would happen uh, with the NFL and something that they don't want, is – I mean, every crew is different. So conference to conference, these targeting, even though the rule's the same, it looks like to me the enforcement is just slightly different because every it's at the end of the day, it's all a judgment call. Um, yeah. As much as you want to take the judgment out of it, um, it's still a judgment call. So you see some that are getting thrown out in the SEC and in the Big Ten, the guys are making similar plays and they're not thrown out. Um, and it's, So it's different game to game, which is tough, but um, the longer the rule is in place, you would hope the more consistent, the more uniform it gets. Um, but you give the NCAA credit for trying. I mean, yeah, uh, in, in my opinion, the one that will be in the blog post, should the Ohio State kid um, have been thrown out of game? No, probably not. But at the end of the day, what are you trying to do with with the rule? You're trying to have that kid um, as best as he can see the play and not make any contact at all, which is it possible this specific case? I think maybe. Um, some other cases, it might, it might not be, but uh, I think that's – that's the direction you're going. You're trying to take the gray gray area out of it in the players' minds instead of just take all take it all out. Yeah, I think there is something to be said about like sticking to your guns and yeah. setting out to setting setting a rule and adhering to that rule whether you overcall it or not because obviously we're seeing the exact opposite in the NFL whereas yeah. they set out to make changes and call That was going to be my point. I feel like there's consistency at least in the college level, right? And how many? One in the NFL level? Penalties or ejection? Uh, well, ejection? They, they haven't ejected anyone for. Well, they didn't. Technically, it's not. They don't have a targeting rule. Yeah. Uh, I don't really. A couple think of guys have gotten ejected for like hitting quarterbacks. Just, just you know, but. But that's but that's it. I mean, and so you they, you have seen a couple ejection, but it's not even. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 different. It's not a targeting thing, and it's. It's kind of it's kind of it, like you said. It's it, it is wishy washy. But but the NCAA has stuck to it, and I I would say within the next three to five years there'll be a significant difference in the way the game's played in the NCAA just because of the longer these rules are in place, the better it's going to get. So, but I mean, it doesn't matter how long the NFL helmet rule is in place if they don't call it. Right. There's no reason to change behavior. Correct. I'm curious to see because when did they start the ejections in college last this year? Is the third year, I think. I want to say it's, the third. it's at least the second, if not the third. I'm just curious to see like how how often it's been called over right. the years. Yeah, if it's consistent or it's been it's you I would mean, hope they'd be going down. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'll look it up. 
Style of the week next week. There we go. Boydcast. All right. I'm going to hold you to that. That's fine. <laughs> uh, any last remarks, gentlemen? That's it. All right. That's a wrap for week nine. See you back for week ten.